It's the Almost Perfect Podcast. Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast. Celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm Bob Perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we are learning from Karen Welby-Solomon. Now, Karen is an entertainment journalist and podcaster who used to work for Cosmo and worked her way all up to the position of being the entertainment writer until unfortunately lockdown hit and Cosmo folded. Now, Karen is finding herself in the freelance life, but she's actually making it work for herself really, really well. She's picked up a number of different like high-profile publications that she writes for pretty regularly. She has a regular newsletter that she puts out, and she's got a podcast called What's IGN Crushing On, which is steadily gaining steam. And I've been very impressed just with her rise over the last year and didn't even realize that it came from the lockdown, that it was a necessity-based thing, that she had to hustle, that she had to make all this stuff happened for herself. And I'm going to let her tell you the whole story about that in just a little bit. Thank you for tuning in. This is a listener-supported podcast. That means that it is brought to you by you. And you can support it by going to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. Alternatively, you can also buy a mug from me. They're almost perfect mugs. They've got the logo on them. They are done by the print room Durban. And they cost 100 rand each. 10 rand from each sale goes to Sasonke. Sasonke is an organization that is working to decriminalize sex work. They are for sex workers, by sex workers, and you can check them out over at sasonke.org.za. So how are you living? How are you taking the news that we're back in lockdown level three? Personally, it literally makes no fucking difference to my life at the moment. I It doesn't bug me, but I know other people are freaking out and stressing out and yeah whatever man like it it is what it is and we're gonna deal with this shit however we can our government is inept we know that but our population also seems to be suicidal so i don't know man i don't fucking know i'm just chilling at home i'm just doing this thing you know coming here talking into the microphone staring at the squiggy lungs going up and down I've also picked up some work recently, which has been really cool. It's been fun. Not fun, uh, but it's been (laughs) a way to pass the time. And it's been cool to challenge myself a little bit with some different work. I've been doing some content writing for an estate company, essentially. So a little bit out of my wheelhouse. And that's always, always cool to do. It's kind of something we actually chat about on this podcast coming up in just a little bit. I've also been reading a lot again, which has been cool. I've been reading uh, Status Anxiety by Alain de Baton, which was a book that Lisa Gola actually recommended in his podcast. And it's, yeah, it helps to just remind you that what matters in society, like all the status signifiers and symbols and stuff like that have changed so much over time. And yeah, it's not necessarily something to get too caught up in if if you don't want to, I guess. I mean, I haven't got through the whole book. I don't know if that's the moral of the story at the end. 
What else I need to tell you? This weekend, we are recording another episode of Strongly Disagree. This is a podcast that I think has two episodes up on the internet. It's the... Uh, what's it? It's the love child, I guess, of... Not the love child. It's not the predecessor. It's what's the fucking... It's, it's the ancestor. There we go. It is the ancestor to... No, it's... What is the, what is the fucking term? It's the baby. It's the lineage. It's the legacy. There we go. We got it. It is the legacy of the Live from the Winston podcast, which is a podcast that Neil Green and I used to do back in the day. And yeah, we've started it up again. We're doing it now with Mojak Lohoko. And that is something you can look forward to really soon. We're going to be recording that over the weekend. It's a podcast where each of us brings a topic that we've got to defend against the other two. So I'm excited for that. It's going to be quite an exciting, fun, just good time, I think. I love I love Neil so much. I've got so much love for Mo as well. It's been cool getting to know both those dudes over the years. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun in that podcast. So check that out. You will be able to check that out on the website. I will post it on the Almost Perfect Media social media pages. So go check that out. I've got to thank some people. I've got to give some shout outs. Firstly, I've got to thank two new patrons over patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. We have now gotten to over $100 a month, which is kind of a big deal for me. Like, I'm really fucking stoked about that. We're getting there. It's taken nearly three years, 101 episodes, but we got $100 per month coming into this vibe as a revenue stream. And I will continue to make more merch and do various different things. Utilize that money world to grow the Almost Perfect brand. But I want to thank Thomas McWilliam, an old friend of mine. Used to be the singer for a band called Gogo Bronco. Also a wonderful solo artist, amazing lyricist, and someone who you may hear on this podcast in the future. Thank you very much, Tom, for signing up to the Patreon and thank you as well to Simp Slayer. They did let me know their real name in the in the DMs, but I don't know if they want it coming out. So shout out to Simp Slayer as well, who found us through YouTube. And that was a lot of work putting all of the episodes up on YouTube, but I feel like it was worthwhile. Now it's time for the shout out section. This is for the people at the titular titles tier. This is the $10 tier. It is the top tier. And I will stop alliterating now. Anyway, shout outs to Neil Green, who is the key group. And also an ex-guest of this podcast. Also someone who I'm going to be podcasting with this weekend. And just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, shout outs to Karan Slemon, who is the almost perfect hedge fund manager. Shout outs to Kath Jenkin, who is the inevitable ruler of the universe. And Queen Swifty. I don't know if you can be the ruler of the universe and Queen Swifty because wouldn't Taylor Swift then be the ruler of the universe? Like, how can you be a Queen Swifty and then Taylor Swift is beneath you? So I'm just saying there's some contradictions there. Shout outs to Karan Chetty, who is the assistant to the regional manager. Shout outs to Chief Sales Officer of Subtle Heresies in the Greater Overberg region, Rousseau. I want to let you know that saying Officer of Subtle yeah, Officer of Subtle Heresies fucks with me from time to time. So, big ups to you for that. Uh, shout out to Stephen Olive Fear, who is the executive producer. 
Shout out to our spiritual advisor, Vishendra Nadu. Shout out to our king, that is of course Julian. I don't know who's got dominion and higher reign when it comes to the monarchy in the almost perfect kingdom here. I don't know, you guys are going to have to fight that one out. Uh, shout out as well to our pantsless weasel, that is of course Tyrant Love. And shout out lastly to our anonymous benefactor. Once again, if you can figure out who the anonymous benefactor is, I will send you a pack of almost perfect stickers. This week's clue is they really like Charlie XCX. So hit me up at if you can figure out who the anonymous benefactor is. And yes, we've got almost perfect stickers printed by the print room, but you can only get those if you sign up to the almost perfect Patreon. So that's it. That's all the shilling. That is all the selling. That is all the all the grifting that I gotta get out of the way. Here comes the almost perfect podcast with Karen Welby Solomon. So how are you living, Karen? I'm good. Well, I mean, I feel like I can't complain too much. I'm I'm healthy. I'm alive. Um, I've this year hasn't been as bad for me as it's been for most people. So I suppose I'm good. Yeah, I think it has you like you have to have that qualifier of it's like hasn't been as bad for me as it's been for most people because I think it's been pretty bad for everyone and it's just mm. varying degrees of just how bad things have been. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how yeah, how have you managed things? Because you seem to be someone who is con well, I wouldn't say constantly on the ground, but you seem to be constantly working, constantly producing work for a number of different publications, you know. So like I assume you've managed to at least uh, keep keep things going fairly decently in these times. Yeah, so um, so about a month into uh, like lockdown, I lost my job. And okay. I was like, I did not know what to do next. Because, you know, I was, I was working at Cosmo and I thought, you know, I knew magazines were on the decline, but I knew, like, I, I figured I had another year left. <laughs> before before things really started to 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 like hit the grind but like um COVID just sp like sped everything up so I took like a week to just wail about it and cry about my lost dreams and then and then I just had to like I had bills to pay so I had to start putting feelers out there and I'd never done freelance properly before so so I just like message people that I knew because I'd work like a couple of jobs before I went to Cosmo and just like try to apply for as much as much as many things as possible and just you know try to keep working because I had to and for the most part like I'm very lucky as in you know I haven't been like coining it like I'm not living the good life but I have like I've been able to pay my bills every month which is all that I've been asking for yeah, the transition to freelance, especially if you're used to the, you know, the other ground, the ground of going into mm. an office and like working with the same people over and over again, covering the same kind of content, like, you know, you get into, I guess, a flow with things and you get used to the way things are. And then now all of a sudden, everything is just being turned upside down and you have to really hustle and you have to lean on your contacts and how did you manage to actually yeah do that transition was like i know you mentioned that you called a few people but what was the actual situation like did you start sending pictures did you send people 
you know, your portfolio of work that you had before. Obviously, working at Cosmo is going to give you a bit of a leg up. So how did the, you find that process of actually finding work as a freelancer after going as someone who had been doing it full time? So I had worked at Media24 for like good, like five years six years before I moved to Cosmo so I like established context there and I just messaged them and I was like hey guys I'm I'm like looking for some freelance work and then they set me up and that was and I was sorted on that then and then it was just like I I like went through Facebook groups like freelance Facebook groups I checked LinkedIn I you know I searched on Twitter for like looking for freelance and and then I just sent pictures. I sent, you know, some of my portfolio out depending on what I was pitching for. And most of my pictures, I never even got an answer back from editors, like <laughs> like yeah. most of them. And and I had to be okay with that because I just had to move. Like I didn't have time to be sad. It's like, okay, rework it, try again next time. And that's just like how how I had to be because the person that I'm I'm quite a sensitive person. Um, so like if, if it was a time when, you know, I like, I'd really been working on this for ages and I sent it out and the person said, no, I know I would have like been upset about it for months, but I didn't have the time to be upset. I had to try something else, go someplace else. And in that way, it was beneficial for me because I learned to kind of deal with that rejection that I couldn't handle before. Yeah, I totally get that because I've been in similar situations over the years, you know, because I've been a freelancer for a long time. But that rejection is something that I struggle with so much, even to this day. It's like it's so frustrating when you send stuff out and you just don't get a reply. And you're just like, but I know I can do this thing. I know I've got mm. the skills. Look at just look at my CV. Look at what I've got on offer. But at the same time, we're in such a competitive environment. And I think that's also what's so impressive about what you've done. And like, I think in a way, and what you're basically saying here is, you know, the lockdown forced you into this position, but by doing it, it's allowed you almost to create your own brand of sorts and to become more of someone who is no longer just a part of like a cog in the wheel, but is actually actively, you know, seeking things out and actively going cool this is what i like like in terms of i'm presuming here like with in terms of tv and this and that so now that you've got those connections you're pitching those things and able to build stuff around who you are as well as that fits in with these different publications yeah no exactly before before like lock i mean before i was freelance when i was at media 24 i was just known as someone who tweeted about series a lot and that was just to like the few hundred followers that I had and then when I went to Cosmo I was known for being Cosmo's entertainment writer and for the first time I feel like I am myself so I get to watch what I want to watch I get to you know talk the way I want to speak without any kind of like brand voice it's my voice yeah. everything so everything feels so much more authentic and it has given me this opportunity because I feel like I'm more myself now than I'd been at any of these publications and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, it's been because that's the thing. I've gotten to know you now more through 
Twitter. And then also I've seen, like you even inspired me to like restart up my newsletter and actually try and stick to it for a while because I enjoy like the fun that you have with your newsletter and how, yeah, you manage to do things in your own voice and your own style, but then also do things with other people, like with other publications and that. But at the same time, it's this constant thing of you genuinely like love what you do. Like I can see it, you know, like you genuinely enjoy covering the topics that you cover and the shows and movies that you cover how do you get into entertainment writing like so you said you started in news 24 back in the day do you have like a journalism background and how does this start because i assume obviously you have a lifelong love of tv from when you were young maybe like me you grew up uh, watching tv as like a bit of a for me well i know for myself TV was very much my uh, babysitter a lot of the time. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I actually think yeah, the TV thing came first. I really, well, I mean, I think I've always liked imagination and stories and things. And I loved reading as a child and and TV. I like. I'm the youngest of four, and I'm like a lot lamaki. So I I basically said TV raised me. Okay. <laughs> my parents. <laughs> um, by the time I came around, my parents were like cheers we 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 done with this this whole parenting thing now no shame they're very nice people but still <laughs> it's the truth they will agree with me but tv basically raised me and I, and I and i always had this this love of storytelling that came from that and i didn't know what i wanted to do with in tv like i thought i wanted to be an actor and i did drama for about 12 years at school and I knew oh, wow. it just wasn't for me. Really? Why did you think it wasn't for you? Because that was actually something I was going to ask you later on was, you know, like, is being on stage or in front of the camera something you want to do? So why do you think it's something you don't want to do? Or why have you come to that realization? Well, I think I, I enjoy it, but I'm, I'm very, sh I'm a very shy person. So okay. the, like, I was so nerve, like the nerves overtook me every single time like when I'm on stage I'm fine I'm like chilled I'm in the moment but there's the 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 pain of getting to on getting onto the stage was just <laughs> too much for me I do like I do enjoy it but I just I just it didn't feel like that was the path I was supposed to take like I was actually speaking to my okay. friend and I was saying I wouldn't mind doing like community type theater again but I don't know if I would ever want to be like like a, a a soapy actress or anything like that, but um, but yeah, I thought about that. I thought about it, but no, it wasn't for me. And I'm not technical enough to do like directing and that kind of things. So when I was about seventeen or something, the E channel came to South Africa, that E Entertainment. Yeah, and I saw that literally all these people were doing was talking about movies, TVs, and celebs. And I'm like, this is what I was supposed to do. Because <laughs> this is my passion and everything. So I just worked on becoming a better writer. And I, you know, I worked hard in English and history. And I got extra work from my teacher. I just wanted to be a better writer. And I don't, I think I was, I mean, I was okay. I, I feel like I had the imagination but I don't think I was you know top top so that's essentially what I worked on and I always say that I feel like writing is a skill like um like obviously people have like talent and that kind of stuff but like talent's not enough you have to be constantly working on it so so yeah so I feel like that's something I worked on 
And then I studied um, film and media, English film and media. Okay. So you've like always known that this is like the area that you want to be in. Yes. Yeah, I've always sort of known. And I'm I'm quite a determined person. So if I know where I want to go, I'm going to do whatever I can to get there. I studied that, but I couldn't get a job in journalism because there was there's such a limited amount of jobs here. Yeah. So I worked a bit in like P- PR and marketing. And then I got a job at News24 Nigeria, just doing straight news for them, just content producing news. And I thought, okay, this is a foot in the door. And I worked there for a couple of years. And then I joined their their brand writing team just so that I could learn to write different types of content. And then I'd write for different brands. And like one day I'll write a food article, one day I'll write a finance article, one day like a education article. And then I started writing entertainment more because like if an entertainment brand sponsored content on News24, that's what I would write. So it was just, it was like an exercise, like probably like a three-year exercise for me just to become a better writer in any topic. Yeah, I mean, that's great practice. That is really good practice. Yeah, and all that time I was just trying to look for an entertainment news job. And I like, I could never, I either... It was always bad timing or like, like I could, because it's so limited, there's such a limited amount of, of jobs here in South Africa. Like, I feel like I know most of the entertainment reporters now. I was going <laughs> to say, it's also, it's such a closed circuit and it's so hard to get into it because you need yeah. to like, get the favor of like certain editors, essentially. Like, and some people have those ends because of connections or because they go to the right, like, um, you know, there's lots of different conferences and things like that, that you can find yeah. yourself in the right rooms with these people and you can like get a step ahead. But for you, you weren't able to do that. You were doing it through just trying to, from News24, like just get the experience and then just what, sending stuff out to other people or what were you doing? Yeah. So what I was, so I found like the, like there are a couple of like American websites where you can write entertainment news and, but you write for free. And okay. I was doing so when so when I was working at News Twenty Four Nigeria, it wasn't really hard work. So uh, <laughs> like it was like bare minimum work. So I could just do that, and then I could write my like the, my articles for these people, and that actually benefited me so much because I I got to to do international like interviews for the first time. I got to like learn how to review like TV shows week by week. I got to do features and I got feedback from people and it it was beneficial, even though like I'm not a fan of doing free work. But back then I think because I, I, I had money from my job and my job wasn't a lot of work. So I could do it. So that's how I kind of got experience in entertainment writing. That is definitely the the trick, I think, to like building your career like in anything is finding mm. the, another small thing that you can do that just pays you like and doesn't take up as much of your time as like like some things like you do take up way too much time to like yeah. actually give you like extra time to like work on the thing you want to do but if you can get that balance of like a also it's it is helping you in a little way you know the news 24 thing it's is writing it is practice mm. but it's bringing in this income and now you've got all the spare time to actually like focus on the thing that you really want to do and through that now from there how did you get to actually writing for well where did you go from there 
So, okay. So this is like the detour of my career. So I left <laughs> okay. News24 and I went to this other company, which I'm not going to say, but like I was doing basically travel writing and I hated it. It was such a toxic environment. And <laughs> okay, please, okay, was... please, please elaborate there. Why, why do you say that? Because travel writing is this thing that like so many people aspire to because of like Instagram and because you get to go to all these different places and like write about these wonderful weekends away. So what's so toxic about it? <laughs> So, okay, the, the, the travel writing itself was not toxic. It's actually, it was a Cape Town-based company, so it was about places in Cape Town. Okay. But, yeah, um, the, the writing itself wasn't, the, the work environment was toxic. And for okay. the first time, I was getting sick because of work, which was weird. <laughs> because, like, even though I wasn't earning a lot of money at Media24, I, I still had sort of a healthy work environment, so I wasn't kind of used to this. But it did it did force me to I had to apply for any job that I could that I could and I got like all these different interviews. I chatted with all these people and one of the people one of the interviews I had was with the Cosmo editor. And then okay. what happened there was that we had this interview and we had this great chat and it was for it wasn't even for like an entertainment job, it was like for another job there. But then they had to do like, like they had retrenchments after that. So they didn't hire anyone for that role. But anyway, I left the the toxic company and I went back to Media24 to my old job. And I worked at that old job for like another three months because it was a contract. And then Cosmo called me and they were like, we have this entertainment reported job opening. And and like Holly, the the editor, remembered you from your interview and how passionate you were about entertainment, would you consider like meeting with us? And so I met with them and then I joined the team within like a month or so. Damn, that's awesome. How did that feel though? Because like after all these years, after all this time, you've studied, you've done everything and you've like ground away, like just to try and get to this point where you are an unstaffed entertainment writer. So how did that feel? it's like it felt extremely validating because like you know you want to feel as if you're working towards something and like every like pushback and every wrong decision I've made has always felt like I always feel like things hit me harder than most people because I'm extremely as I think I've told you this I said this to you before the interview I'm like extremely hard on myself (laughs) so it was so validating and especially because I didn't for the first time, for someone who's been applying for jobs consistently, like I've never turned off my Indeed um, job alerts like ever in my career. <laughs> and and like for someone who's been applying all these years and then to have like to not even apply for a job and to be called in for it was wild for me. And it was the job I'd always wanted. And yeah, it was <laughs> so, yeah, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> it was validating. <laughs> oh man i can only imagine and what was the actual experience of working there like because i've heard good things about cosmo yeah well the team i had when when i joined the team was like flipping amazing just like uh, holly the editor had just picked like the perfect people in every role and everybody just loved the the magazine and they loved working together so and so it was just it was such a a fruitful experience and 
the team was obviously a lot smaller because, you know, the magazine had shrunk so much. But I got experience that I probably wouldn't have had in a bigger team. So, like, my first week there, I was, like, going out, doing interviews. I was writing so much content, which the thing is that, like, I probably never written so much in one day in my life. But for the first time, (laughs) it didn't bother me. Like, I was working such a lot. I'd work overtime. And it's, I I mean, I suppose it was stressful, but it didn't really... It didn't upset me because I just enjoyed it so much. Like I wanted and I like, and I had a very good digital editor also at that time who was like, like she listened to my ideas. She, she, she spoke with me. She like, we just had a very good relationship and it was, it was different to the relationships with editors I've had before. And it, yeah, it was a very good experience basically. You know, that's like kind of the key, I think, to the journalistic process a lot of the time is just having an editor Mm. who you get along with and who you can pitch to and who actually like helps to improve you as a writer, you know, because that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. So that's wonderful to hear. And I assume the experience that you had before, so you've like as much as this was a lot more work than you're used to, you know, you'd had experience interviewing people overseas and you'd done so much like entertainment writing beforehand. So did you feel going into the job that, you know, you had it or were you pretty stressed still because, you know, it was Cosmo? I was pretty stressed. I actually, yeah. like, I hadn't done that much interviews because the jobs I'd done at Media 24 were mainly, like, writing, like, pure writing, like, research-based writing. Okay. So other than that, the the free work that I used to do before, like, I, I didn't have much. And interviewing was something that freaked me out because, like, as I said earlier, I was, I'm extremely shy. So, <laughs> so, like, even before I became a journalist, I knew that this was going to be like my Achilles heel. Like I knew that like I interviewing would be the make or break for me because I'm going to freak out before I'm going to not know what to say. I'm going to be terrible. And like, that's always what went through my head. Like, so, so, so I, I was extremely That's me like 10 out. minutes before an interview, like every <laughs> single time. <laughs> I was saying to to my producer, I was like, all my all all the podcast interviews are brought to you by Rescue Remedy. Yeah, some of these have been brought to you by Brandy and Coke. Some of you have been, these have been brought to you by weed. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I was really nervous, and especially like the first week in, I had to go interview Ricky Rick. And I oh was, wow, <laughs> that is a big one. I still, I've got him on my list. I still haven't done that one. I was like, I went from nothing to this, and she's like, oh, like, sorry, this is late notice, but tomorrow can you go? You have to go meet Ricky. I'm like, oh my god, it was. <laughs> I was so freaked out, but I think that was like the deep end. I had to be like shoved into. <laughs> like that's great though because that puts you straight into it so it's like you don't even have time to like really like freak out like obviously you've got like the one day to like freak out a bit about it but then it's happening like mm. you have to just be ready and prepared and then also like now you're in it so after that do you, like did you find it got a bit easier yes and no like I think I was trying to prove myself but it definitely got easier because I became more comfortable you know within my team and within the role and I honestly believe that they wanted the best from me. And, you know, we all just cared about the product such a lot that, 
you know, even though, even when I do something wrong, like I would freak out, but they would work with me and say like, okay, this is what you did wrong. This is what we will do for next time. And I just, I felt very supported. So I think, especially by my, like our digital editor, like my immediate manager, like she, she always had my back, which is something I didn't usually experience, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, I think, yeah, it probably did get easier as it went on. Do you have like any specific like tricks when it comes to like interviewing celebrities to try and break the ass or do you approach like each interview like individually? Definitely individually, but I like to be like over prepared. So even if I don't use all the questions that I have or all the things that I research, like if I'm prepared, I feel calmer going in. Yeah. And I and I can usually like gauge them better because if I'm prepared I think it leaves me more time to kind of like feel out how they feeling or what makes them comfortable what makes them uncomfortable like look at body language because if I'm not prepared I'm constantly thinking in my head what must I do next what can I say next what you know like that yeah when it's great to always just have that list of questions to go to like if you're like because that's a that's a great thing about like interviews is they will go all over the show and like Mm. they can be these very organic things but that is the one thing I've also learned like preparation is everything it's always have like those questions to go back to so that if you do have a moment in the conversation where things aren't flowing that well you can go okay I know I've prepared here I know some stuff about you that we can go back to and we can talk about Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's kind of your trick is just making sure that you go into the interview as prepared as possible yeah and like not all celebrities are like are there for good conversation some of them are just like you can see they're looking to to tick off like something on their list like i have to do this interview today so they just answer your questions as you answer it that can be it can be kind of uncomfortable so if they get if they're gonna come in with that attitude i'm prepared for that but if they're gonna come in ready to chat or you know very forthcoming then then that's good anyway because I've you know I've got the questions and you know it doesn't matter then but you know you don't know what you get <laughs> yeah how do you deal with those different energies though because I know like some people like some celebrities are like just totally chill totally fine they don't act like mm. celebrities and others are total prima donnas and like can be pretty closed off and like weird and it's like why did you take this interview so how do you handle <laughs> exactly yeah that disparity and like what are the kind of situations you've been in? If you want to maybe share like a story, not like actual like <laughs> names or anything, but yeah, like just like some weird vibes, like when you've interviewed some famous people. So so the way I handle it is that if I have my questions and I know kind of the point of the interview, so I know interviews either to promote something or talk about something, I make sure I get that. So if you're there to talk about what you're promoting or what you, an award you just won or something like that, then I will ask those questions, make sure I have that information, and then you're good to go. That's fine. Like, I'm not going to push you to say anything you don't want to say. I'm not going to push you to talk more than you don't want, like you want to talk. So if it's for a written article, if I got the the crux of the article, then I'm good. Then that's fine. I can write (laughs) the flowery stuff around it. If it's like for a podcast or whatever, the listeners will be able to hear your attitude. So I will leave that up for them to decide. Because I've I've listened to so many interviews where I can hear the 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 person being interviewed stand offish, and then I'm just like, 
okay, can hear the, the host or the journalists trying and they're not receiving anything. It, it, it reflects more on the, on, the, on the celebrity than it does on the interviewer. I'm with, I'm with you there, but as an interviewer, like as an interviewer, <laughs> you're still like stressing out though, because you're the one who's like mm. gotta put out this interview and you want it to be good. So I've had a few situations like that, and like it's being recorded and you can feel the vibe is a little weird. And it's just like for me, it's like about mm. trying to just find something to talk about that they actually want to talk about. You know, it's something that like gets them going. So it's like trying to pull from the bag of tricks of like, you know, their favorite things and then using that as like a little inlet into then getting into the other things. But like, yeah, when people are standoffish in the beginning, it can be such a stressful time just to like, especially for me, because I do these for an hour. Like that's the that's kind of the yeah. promise to the audience. So it's like, if we're not good in the first five minutes, it is going to be a long, long, long <laughs> and awkward conversation. I'm glad it has, like I've had some ones that go like a little awkward in the beginning, but they've all seemed to like smooth out as time goes on. And mm. none of them got too awkward in the middle but you were going to share a story there sorry no it's fine i was going to ask you like how do you find those facts like how do you because i want to know like how to to get these things out of people oh yeah i do have one story but it's like a south african celebrity but it was also when i was at cosmo and she um i just won a big award and then they called us and they were like do you want to do an interview with her and we were like sure so i had to write questions like in 15 minutes so i wrote the question she is like it was a phone interview she was not having it she was just like <laughs> she was talking like so even though I had to like transcribe it afterwards because it was a written thing I did not know what she was saying most of the time she was like she she shot down like 90% of my questions I was like you wanted this interview why are you why are you being like this and it was someone that I like really respected like I liked that person so much and I was so disappointed um yeah <laughs> but yeah you live and you learn I suppose <laughs> yeah that's one of the biggest like disappointments of being in the entertainment industry behind the scenes of things like I've worked in various different roles and some people who you know like I used to admire have definitely gone down on the rungs just with the ways they've treated either me or people I've been involved with or mm. like just you know responded in certain ways to things and it's just like you're like but like I thought you were cool, man. Like, why, why are you actually like this? But I get it as well, you know, like the whole being an artist thing and the whole celebrity thing does lead to a level of egotism that can make people mm. very self-important and very difficult to deal with if you're not like in that world and you're not really, for me at least, I'm not really willing to bow down to it. But I know like, mm. in, like when you were at least working with Cosmo and stuff, like, would you have to like deal with those like well not you you would have to deal with those kinds of people but like how are your editorial staff when it came to that like did they give you advice on how to handle them or were they just like oh yeah that guy's a dickhead don't worry about it yeah the latter was very much that guy's a dickhead <laughs> I didn't I didn't get any tips <laughs> I, I don't think I did it as bad. Like, I had it as badly as a lot of the others do. Like, the fashion people always have, like, the oh, most wow. drama with celebrities. Because if a celebrity doesn't like the way they look in a picture, they're going to blame the fashion people. Always. And then it's 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 always causes crap. And, like, 
So I haven't had to deal. I don't think like that one story I told you is probably the worst one. And mainly, mainly because I remember it because I like this person so much. But yeah, I haven't had too hectic of, of a time with, with celebrities. Um, maybe just haven't met enough. But <laughs> but but like I yeah, and I didn't get any like like advice in how to deal with it. It was just like go in, deal with it, and that's it. <laughs> Uh, but I guess everyone kind of knows that like sometimes it's just like that with those people. But I wanted to actually get into your latest venture because today was the, well, the day that we we're recording is a celebration of one year of the Crushing On podcast, the IGN Crushing On podcast. So congratulations because most podcasts don't make it Thank past you. episode two and you've made it all the way <laughs> like through a year. So that is genuinely like an amazing feat in the modern era of like hey, let's start a podcast, you know, <laughs> like to actually follow <laughs> yeah, like, through and to have all the guests that you've had and to actually like achieve what you've achieved. I think it's truly impressive. So firstly, well done. And then secondly, how did it all start? Thank you. So so I've been like a huge fan of podcasts for like the longest time. I think since like I've been listening to podcasts since like 2013 and I've listen to many but I also did like like the drama thing like I didn't think I could actually do a podcast and like as it was going on I was listening to more stuff I like had a bit of an idea and I think I was probably when I was at media 24 but I just didn't have time to do it and you know it just like and I also didn't really have the skill because like as creative as I am and as like I like to think of myself as an artist but I'm not a nitty-gritty type person so I hate editing of any type editing <laughs> writing editing audio editing video I hate all that kind of things I will so, edit someone else's <laughs> writing like no problem like <laughs> someone else's writing is amazing to edit that is my favorite thing in the world to edit but my own writing and my own like content it's hell it's absolute <laughs> hell so I'm with you <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's it's like, oh, I just, I know I should actually be doing this more, but, but yeah, I know I'm, I'm extremely terrible at it, but yes, I didn't really have the skills also. And then my best friend, um, we've been best friends since we were like 13. She's in the Netherlands when she was in Cape Town, she studied music and then she went over to the Netherlands and she was doing her master's in sound, specializing in podcasts. Oh, cool. oh wow. You can do that. What do you mean? You could specialize yeah. in podcasts. That's amazing. The future yeah. is here. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Like she did a whole thesis on podcasts and stuff. And then she was making extra money, like doing podcasts. And she and she hit me up and she's like, Have you ever thought of starting a podcast? And I was like, funny enough, I have, but <laughs> I don't really want to do all the work. And she's like, Well, I like doing the work, but I don't really have the content. So she's like, do you want to work on this? And, and I was like, sure. And then it took like probably another that is a year. Match because made I, when I was heaven. at Cosmo, it's, <laughs> exactly. Like when I was at Cosmo, it's zero time. So I just like, I didn't, I just put it on the back burner. Like, oh, uh, you know, sometimes I add an idea now and then. And then when, when I was, re well, Cosmo closed down, I had a lot more time on my hands. So I was like, Rebecca, do you want to start this up again? And she's like, I've been waiting. So <laughs> I thought up some ideas and I got three of my friends to just like chat nonsense to me about what they were watching. And then we recorded three episodes and yeah, it started from that. And then it went on. 
They just got way more people. Well, yeah. So what is what is the crushing on podcasts for people who haven't heard it? What is the whole idea behind it now? Because it, it's not it's no longer just that. Because I see you get lots of different guests yeah. on. I listened to like the one with Shluby Moyer. Because like I when I meant you mentioned you were getting someone from Isidingo on, and I said like, is it you know someone beginning a character name with the N? And you were like, no. But then like slightly later you got her, and I was so jealous because that's that's another name that's on my <laughs> list. So how yeah how has it all evolved from three friends to that? So I. As I was going on with like with the three friends, <laughs> that was just like recommending, um, talking about shows that we liked. It actually started when The Bachelorette was announced and I was still getting all these press releases because I have a blog that I don't really update. But um, <laughs> I got these press releases from Mnet and they were like, do you want to interview Gwenice um, or The Bachelorette? And I was like, sure. And so I added like the interview with her, which was very short to the end of one of my episodes with, with with a friend. And then it did well. And then I just got more requests from like, oh, do you want to interview more and more people? And then remember I told you I was terribly nervous about interviews. And I thought this is a great way for me to sort of like exercise this muscle because I know I will lose it. And I'll be freaked out if I ever start get, get into another job where I have to interview people again. I'm going to be so nervous because I haven't exercised this muscle. So I was like, you know, I should actually start interviewing people more. So our first season, we did like long episodes. It was like some of them was an interview. Some of them was just like people chatting about TV shows and movies and recommendations and music and that kind of thing. And then I just noticed the difference. Like there was a lot of pressure on on like say people promoting things to to kind of like fill the gap of people that are just recommending things. For season two, we combined the two. And then the first half of the episode is a chat with a pop culture fan. So they could be known, they could be not known. They will talk about what interests them and like what they're watching. And we or we will discuss in detail about something that's kind of current in pop culture. And then the second half of the episode is an interview with a celebrity or an actor or whatever, or somebody who has something coming out soon. And then like that's more focused on what they have coming out, less on them as a person. So yeah, we're still transforming. I don't know what it will look like in season three, but that's what it is now. So like our last episode, we had um, the influencer Akila Heron. She was actually at high school with me and we studied film and media together and she was talking about her the, the films and the and the series and that kind of stuff that she watches and she likes. And then the second half of the episode we spoke to Nico Panagio, the, the host of Survivor, and it was mostly just focused on Survivor. But yeah, it differs from episode. Like some of them have long conversations, some of them have short um, yeah. <laughs> so how do you set these interviews up? I know you mentioned that you get sent some press releases from various people that you've had contact with over the years because of your blog because of news 24 and that is it just a matter of being on the right media list at this point or do you still have to reach out to certain people that you want to approach some of them right media list but a lot of the times i reach out because you might okay. be on the media list but you're not like you might not be the specific media that they target especially with podcasts because i mean nobody south african media do not target podcasts they barely know <laughs> they exist there's like the very few that do. 
So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I have to sometimes I have to email people. I have to ask around who is the PR person for this and be like, hi, I, whatever I come, I have this podcast. Could I possibly get an interview with this person? Sometimes I get no response. Sometimes I get a response. That has been like my experience most of the time. Sometimes people come to me. How many times do you follow up? I usually just follow up once. If they don't respond after that time, I'm like, okay, it's fine. I go 100%. I mean, that's my rule. (laughs) It's like, I'm trying to, yo, I, my dream, okay, dream. I really want to get Kim Engelbert on the podcast because she is like my dream, like, as a colored girl going up, like seeing her on TV, she was like everything to me. And her schedule yeah, I had a total is crush so on her growing up. <laughs> you see, like me too. <laughs> but getting her on the podcast is so difficult. And I've like tried so many times and people are like, oh, I will message her agent, but she's busy filming this now or that. And I'm just like, but see, but that that's not the same as not getting a reply. Like, so that's the thing. If someone gets back to me, then we we can keep the conversation going and we can keep the lines of communication open. But like, if I send you two emails and you don't get back to me to either email, I'm just like, cool. You don't want to do it. So cross your name off the list, and I'll go, mm. you know, down to the next person essentially. Because my ego, like I've mentioned earlier, I'm too sensitive. That like that rejection, I can't like I can't do it a third time, you know, because then you're just a sucker for punishments. I think. Yeah, and also like, why would you want somebody on there who doesn't really want to be there? So that's exactly it. So yeah, I just like yeah, follow up once. Sometimes not at all. If I like DM somebody and they don't reply to that DM, I'm like, you saw this DM. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna respond again. I'll just go into the next person. No. Yeah, as long as you don't do the thing that a lot of people do with me and they just DM saying, hey, or how are you? <laughs> this is like, yo, I'm, I'm just, I know, I'm, I know not to reply to these. <laughs> like I've, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> this is going to be half an hour of nothingness that we're going to get sucked into. Oh, but that's, that's dope though, that like you, you're still the one actually reaching out and, you know, doing that groundwork because it allows you to have a lot more control, I guess. And it's not like, because I, I I thought that maybe you had a bit more clout, you know, with the with the media companies and that, just noticing some of mm. your guests, you know, like I figured that maybe there was a bit more of a symbiotic, symbiotic like thing going on there. But then I guess, yeah, like there's only so far that they care about when it does come to podcasts. So you do have to do that extra legwork. There are some like very forward thinking, like PR people who who have come to me first. Yeah, I know they are pretty good. And there's some others that have been like, hey, do you want to interview this person? I've been noticing like this is literally over the last week. Like I've gotten two emails from like American publicists trying to promote their people. But it's like, it'll be like maybe a South African actor in the US or something like that. But like American, American publicists know the value of podcasts. So well, yeah. it's it's easier to understand why they would be interested than here in South Africa where they still they still pitch stuff to like magazines whose circulation is so low. But that that'll and be maybe know. the first um <laughs> protocol. Yeah, it's kind of it's so strange how like so much of the media is still targeted towards print and like so much of well, mm. so much of publicity at least is still targeted towards print. You know, a lot of PR agencies are still like focusing on the newspapers and those sorts of things when things have evolved so much and like the people that are in touch with it and who do understand that hey there is different kinds of media are the ones who 
are able to at least get their clients, you know, seen and heard because no one reads anymore, but people actually do, at least from my experience, listen to podcasts and engage with them and get yeah. a lot out of them because it's someone speaking in their own voice. It's not even through a filter. When you write about someone, it's always through this lens of yourself. You know, it's always through your viewpoint and ideas that you want to get across about those people for the audience. But with podcasting, you're giving them an opportunity to actually say, no, this is who I am. This is what I think. Yeah, no, exactly. I just I just think that because for me, like I've gotten into things and am and enjoyed things so much more from listening to podcasts. Like I watch obviously a lot of talk shows and YouTube videos and stuff, but I forget those things quickly. But when you're having <laughs> like I'm sure you're a fan of Mark Maron. Are you? Um, yes. He's like yeah. my daddy. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I love Mark Marin too. And like when when Nicole Kidman is on there and she's talking for an hour about her life, but she also talks about (laughs) Yes. And then she's also talking about her show the show and why she's doing the show. I'm more likely to check out that show because she has spoken so passionately and in depth about it. And I've gotten to I almost feel like I was sitting with Nicole for an hour, whereas when I'm watching a five minute segment on a TV show like, I'll be like, oh, that sounds cool. It's a new TV show with Nicole Kidman. But I don't know much else. And, you, like, I will forget about that in probably a day. And you also know they've done, like, a hundred of those interviews in that day. They've just been sitting there in those chairs yeah. as, as journalists come in and out asking them the same questions over and over and over again. So the podcasting format gives them, like, just so much more freedom. Yeah, exactly. Oh, because that's essentially what, I mean... Mark Maron is probably my first entry into podcasting. And for me, it's always been like the ideal. (laughs) You and me both. His interview style is so good because it doesn't feel like they are being interviewed. It feels like a conversation. And the problem here is that we, like for me personally, I get such a little time with the people that I'm interviewing. If they're not like the, the fans, like the celebrities that, Sometimes it does end up being like a a TV show thing. And sometimes Uh, there's no PR people around. It's just me and them and we can talk for a long time and we, I can get, they can get comfortable. And I I feel like that is what, like that is the ideal. And I hope that one day South Africa could get to a point where, where a lot more celebrities and a lot more PR people trust podcasting and trust this different style of doing things. But South African celebrities don't have publicists. So what do you mean South African celebrities don't have publicists? They don't have publicists. Like like there's very few of them that do. And they'll have like like maybe like Bonang. (laughs) Well, the musicians at least. A lot of musicians have PR and publicists at least. Because I've like, I mostly just deal with like agents or like the the pub like the PR people from like DSTV or Netflix or Showmax, like those people are organizing the interviews not like a lot of the times like if i have to do interviews and stuff with people for like a print thing i have to like dm them personally and i'm like what is this like why are they not they why are they not publicists making sure that they are you know making the rounds and getting interviewed by people that's so crazy i mean i know like yeah i know with like the music scene at least like i know there's a few well there's quite a few publicists you know who i know I can chat to if I want to get the interview. At this point, I can often just chat to the musician myself. But like, you know, Mm. that's crazy to me to hear that actors and celebrities don't have like that level of PR. But I guess 
if you're working with an agent, they're doing the more important work there. And I guess, I don't know, publicity is so important, but I don't know, people have different priorities, I guess. I, I genuinely, that, that does baffle me that it's not more of a important thing in these people's lives because as I th- I'm sure you know, and as I'm sure many people know, the media is how you get work as an actor or an actress mm. or a musician or someone in the public eye. It's like the more you're in the media, the more people will want to book you because you're in the media a lot. And so they will be talking about the thing that you're doing. So that is so strange to me. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> hopefully it will change as, they get, as, you know, as the media streams change, I think the public like the way publicity is done will change well i was gonna say how do you feel with the positioning of your podcast at this point in time because you know like you say things are actually changing within the media landscape and yours is one of the few entertainment and celebrity-based podcasts that actually manages to get you know some of these people onto the podcast like i haven't seen too many others out there in south africa that are doing what you're doing so do you feel like you're well positioned for the future? Um, I don't know. Like, I think the biggest experience I've had in the media industry is that, you know, you don't specifically know where it's going to go. But sure. I, do th- I do think podcasting is on the rise. Like I've read so many articles about, how, about the podcasting boom in South Africa. But I mean, and I think you <laughs> I've read the articles, too, but, like... but uh, I, I haven't necessarily <laughs> seen the stats. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. I was I was listening to um that Mesh startup guy on oh, yeah. some other podcast where he was talking about the the main thing for us as podcasts is that we gotta get more people listening to podcasts. Because like I know this from my own experience. Like I started listening to Mark Marin, then I started listening to another one and then another one and then another one. And once you get into the habit of listening to podcasts, you're more likely to, you know, you're more likely to try out new things, which is why where if like one of us succeeds, I think we all succeed. So I do think that, you know, more people should be listening to podcasts, more people should be making podcasts. I do, I hope that, you know, what's IJN crashing on is in a good position for the future. I think I've invested enough time and money into this for it to, for it to be able to, to do what I hope so. My bank account hopes so. But um, no, but I do think it is. And I and I do hope that if I'm getting more trust from PR people, that other podcasts will also get more trust from PR people. So that if like they're like, OK, it worked with her or with this podcast, maybe we should try instead of doing like five print publications, three online and one podcast, maybe we should do three podcasts. And, you know, like, you know, it will just open up the door for more people. And that's one of those things that also builds within itself because you've got more and more people of, you know, name value essentially coming onto podcasts. So that then makes the audience go, oh, what, what, what a podcast. Let me actually check this out. Okay, so we got a little uh, disconnected there thanks to South Africa's wonderful <laughs> internet infrastructure, which makes working in a pandemic so much easier. You know, if it's not ESCOB, it's something else. Yeah. But we were discussing how podcasting at the moment is experiencing a bit of a boom. At least, like, there's a lot more podcasts being produced, and the value in more people, you know, coming on board, listening to one podcast that they might listen to another. And that's why, personally, I've got like zero issues or jealousy or anything towards anyone else starting a podcast i am forever telling people you should start a podcast because Mm. in my mind the idea is 
if they do, they can, you know, bring people to their podcast and whether or not they carry on, that's now new people that have listened to podcasts and are like, cool, let me maybe check out some other vibes in South Africa. And it slowly but surely does build the community. That's why, like, I love your podcast because I do think it's something fresh and it's something different that offers people in South Africa, you know, their own local space for these sorts of things when, you know, they're not necessarily there. You can listen to a million different podcasts. You can get tons of information on international, you know, celebrities and actors and artists, but localizing it, I think just adds so much more value to the conversation, I guess. Like, I feel the same way. I'm just like, I'm so happy for people to start podcasts and do the thing. Cause I, like, I also, I'm of the belief that, that everyone, whether you do something or not, your own take is unique. So you're you're always going to come from a from a different perspective, you know. You you are a comedian doing a podcast in South Africa, but like if you look oh, like in America, there's like fifty thousand comedians <laughs> doing podcasts, but all of them are different. You will listen to the ones that you prefer, and that's okay, because the more comedians they do, that's okay. But people are always going to listen to what they prefer. So like, you know, it's better than nobody listening to anything. And I think that first hurdle of putting on a podcast like I don't know why people are so scared of podcasts but like because they, like they like don't audiobooks. know like that's what that's <laughs> the problem people are worried that it's going to be like an audiobook and they're going to like yeah like that's what I think the problem might be it's just this weird like thing or it's like talk radio you know yeah I think my my, my problem is that like I was a fan of talk radio but Same. but I always <laughs> thought of it as like <laughs> I, I um I like like when I'm listening to the radio, I hate when I don't hear what I want to hear. So I hate if like if I don't like the DJ, or I'm or the DJ is talking about something it does not interest me, or I don't like the music, which is probably why I don't really listen to radio or, or I only listen to like specific DJs because I want to hear what I want to hear. So with podcast, it gives me that opportunity. If I want to listen to history things the entire day. That's what I will listen to. And I have that option. You know, I can I can curate my own listening experience and I can learn so much from it. And that's what I enjoy about it. You know, that's and that's what what it gives an opportunity for people like curate what you listen to. Yeah, it allows just a much more personal experience. And that's mm-hmm. I mean, I've yeah, like I know my my podcast, but that's also the thing. Everyone's podcast list is going to be so different to everyone else's. You know, you you find your unique little niches that you enjoy. But one of the things I wanted to ask you a little earlier, and we, we're running out of time here, so I'm going to ask it now, was how did the IGN thing come about? You know, because partnering up with a media company is pretty useful when it comes to these sorts of things. So how did that happen? So IGN Africa is it's quite a small company within South Africa. And you know, a big international um, brand, like I yeah. So, so there's a company here that licenses it, and they've been wanting to start their own podcast, but because they don't have the big team, the the editor was was a listener of the podcast of my podcast, and he enjoyed it, and he really wanted to go into entertainment. Like, I, f- I feel like they're still going to start like a gaming one, but they wanted to have like for the entertainment section, they wanted entertainment podcast, and he thought he easier than than creating his own one is to just sort of like license our one and initially I was a bit skeptical because you know as an artist you you want to sort of have con- 
control and own your own content. That's something I learned from from Conan O'Brien. I'm like a diehard Conan O'Brien fan. <laughs> but um, is everything that he has made, he owns the rights to. Yeah. And when I spoke to IGN, they were like, we are willing to let you keep the rights if you don't feel comfortable with us within within a year or whatever. You know, you can leave when you want to. And it was just, it was a partnership that worked out well for both of us. So so it really just came from, the editor was a, was a listener of the podcast and it just, it, it was a good fit for him. And it, I think for us, like when I first started, it was a very female, our listenership was very female because my my first free, few guests were female and I came from Cosmo and I think I sort also of, focus I have on that kind bachelor, of, those sorts of things. Yeah. And like I had that kind of energy also, like a very like girly energy. And what IGN has given is that it's it's allowed me, allowed more men, I feel, to listen to the podcast and for us to diversify our content a lot more. And in the end, it's brought more women to their page to see kind of what they, because they more focus on genre and that sort of thing, which is where, because I'm like a huge genre fan. So I think that because they were seen as more of a masculine-esque site and they're not, that's not what they are. So it it allowed us to leverage off each other. And right now it's just mainly like a partnership at the moment, but yeah, it's, it's been good. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Like it's, you know, rare to hear like those sorts of stories actually happening. And it is one of those things. I think like the thing that I've picked up about your life and your career, it is that thing of preparation meeting opportunity. You haven't always been at the right place at the right time, but when the right times have come along, like you've been prepared because I guess you haven't been at the right place at the right time sometimes Yeah, that you've managed to like practice and get yourself you know, because that's the thing. You started the podcast. It wasn't like you approached IGN or IGN approached you. It was like you had the podcast there and then the things started happening. So it's, and I think that's been the whole vibe you've been telling me. It's like things weren't necessarily happening. So you created stuff and pushed it forward. And now you're still in a bit of a bind, I guess, because we're in a pandemic, but you've managed to pull <laughs> things together quite remarkably. Like genuinely, I'm, yeah i'm a i'm a fan like i genuinely am because i just think your output is inspiring it is something that other people can take note of and follow along you know like do similar things and like put that work in in the same way that you've put the work in like i think it can lead to a lot of success yeah thank you yeah but it it, it has really been that it's like if things aren't happening for me i'm gonna find some way to do it myself, just see if I can practice. So like the newsletter started just because I wanted to practice feature writing. And then I was approached by a editor of an entertainment site that does mostly feature writing. And they were like, would you be a contributor? And I was like, yes, thank you. I've been <laughs> practicing for this. So yeah, it, it's really like, like if things, if you're not getting what you want right now, make it happen for yourself. It doesn't have to be amazing. When I was writing my blog, I'd probably get like two readers and that's it but I was practicing and I was trying to learn more I was making context I was putting myself out there because that's the scariest part like putting yourself out there is terrifying I mean I'm I don't think I'm anywhere near the end yet but it's worked out for me so far I would say and where do you see it going from here or where do you want it to go from here I mean I don't know like if you had asked me this, that's the like, correct answer. Like because a year ago, <laughs> yeah, very different story. Well, a year and a half yeah, ago, yeah. Like if you had asked me this story. ten years ago, I'd be like, I want to be an editor of a of a magazine. That's what I want. 
but now magazines don't exist anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, the dream for me, I, I don't know. I, I think I just like being a pop culture critic. Like, that's what I love. Wherever that takes me, I would love to do my write my own TV show one day. That's what I would love to do. Wherever life goes... I'm like, I'm willing to follow it. Cool. Well, I wish you luck in not knowing where you're going and just uh, winging <laughs> it because that is 100% my plan. I got asked like the other day on this um, this uh, talk that I was doing, like I was a part of a panel discussion and the one guy asked me like, mm. you know, what is your five, what's your five-year plan? And I was like, I do not have one anymore. Like I had one, <laughs> like, and then the pandemic hit so that everything that like I was planning towards just collapsed and it was like cool I guess what we're doing now is things we enjoy <laughs> until we no longer enjoy them and whatever that leads yeah. to that's uh yeah that's where it goes because I am not dealing with that disappointment again that's actually whatever we whatever we enjoy until we enjoy it no more is the perfect line yeah Although I guess that also could lead you to an OPM den. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Either or. Either or. Yeah, I want to thank you so much for your time. This has been so great getting to actually know you, getting to know the person. Because, yeah, it's been fun listening. I've listened to like a handful of your podcasts and I've really enjoyed what I've listened to. And yeah, I, listen, I read your newsletter. I check out some of your opinions on some things because you, yeah, you put me onto stuff and I really appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. This means a lot. Um, Yo, thank you so much. <laughs> cool. No worries. Uh, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they do that? At Karen Walby's with an S on Twitter and at Karen Walby without the S on Instagram. That's cool. where and, you can find me. And if people want to find the work, podcast, they can check the link tree that's on your Twitter. Which yes, is yes. It's scarily intimidating when you click it open. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sc- I I'm I'm very pedantic about updating it, which stresses me out. But you know, yeah, check out my link tree. Cool.